Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 616. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 850 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Farm Grow Flowers. Farm Grow Flowers delivers iconic burlap wrap bouquets and lush, abundant arrangements to customers across the U.S., Supporting U.S. flower farms by purchasing more than $10 million of U.S.-grown fresh and seasonal flowers and foliage annually. Discover more at farmgrowflowers.com. And thank you to Mayesh Wholesale Florist. Family-owned since 1978, Mayesh is the premier wedding and event supplier in the U.S., And we're thrilled to partner with Mayesh to promote local and domestic flowers, which they source from farms large and small all around the U.S. Learn more at mayesh.com. Well, in 2015, Slow Flowers introduced American Flowers Week, inviting flower lovers, gardeners, growers, and designers across the country to share their red, white, and bluish blooms during the week, June 28th through July 4th. The promotion celebrates domestic flower farming, and engages people everywhere with local botanicals. We use the hashtag American Flowers Week to encourage flower fans to follow and enjoy the campaign's beauty and floral diversity. Since 2016, when American Flowers Week debuted its annual Botanical Couture Collection with Susan McCleary's Red, White, and Blue Floral Afro, we have commissioned more than 50 wearable botanical fashions created by our member designers and flower farmers. So today, we're unveiling our 2023 Botanical Couture Collection. It's a hot couture harvest. I'm excited to dive right in, so let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Show with Deborah Prinzing. And today is a very special edition because we've got lots of guests and we're going to be talking about American Flowers Week 2023. And uh, this is our eighth American Flowers Week and our seventh with Botanical Couture. So I'm going to uh, just jump right in and show you some of the designs. And for each design, we'll talk with the creatives who are behind them. And um, this will all be available uh, for you through social media graphics that we'll post on AmericanFlowersWeek.com. And then the stories and interviews uh, will appear in the summer issue of Slow Flowers Journal, which will be released next week. So first of all, I want to thank all of my guests who are Slow Flowers members and the creatives, and we'll introduce them individually as we get to the featured uh, designs. So um, let's meet the creatives. Okay, I'm going to start and introduce uh, a third-time designer, Nisha Blancas of Fetching Social Media. Hi, Nisha. Hi. You are you you are the one person who's designed now three botanical couture looks back to back. Nisha, you I as I said in the article, you're not a flower farmer, you're not a floral designer, but you are a fashionista and you are our wonderful social media manager. And I love what you created this year. Uh 
she's just, she's fierce. And uh, your model is your friend. Um, and her name is so botanical. You have to tell us her name. I know. She couldn't be any more perfect, but her name is Iris Jasmine Flores. <laughs> so yeah, it worked out. First, middle, and last name, Iris Jasmine Flores. We'll tell her thank you for this. Um, I I um, wanted to say that um, this was very personal for you. And so um, this design, uh, we we called it You Are My Heart. Say, how, how do you say this in Spanish? Tú tienes mi corazón. Okay, great. Um, and your, tell us a little bit about your design, what inspired it, and um, how you went about doing it you kind of created a story and you set it in a very special place to your uh, family and your childhood. So tell us a little bit about where you did the photo shoot. Yeah. So like Deborah mentioned, this was a very personal uh, project for me. I had already began thinking about what I wanted to do a year prior to like honestly, a week before I did last year's, <laughs> I had already the girl in mind, I had the concept in mind, and I knew where I wanted it to be uh, shot. And so I decided I wanted to pay homage to my childhood neighborhood, which is in Central California. Um, it's like a literally like a few blocks or maybe just a street and it's called Calwa. And I grew up there as a kid. I went to elementary school there, but my family stems from there as well. Like my dad grew up there. He went to elementary school, middle school there. Uh, my grandma had her house there up until this year. And so the location that we that I chose is Cowell Park, which is pretty central to that neighborhood. And um, like, I just have very fond memories of going to that park with my grandpa. He would take us as kids. Um, I would go with my, my dad that has passed. Um, and just know, hearing the stories of like when my mom and dad used to date, like they went there. And I recently just found that on my mom's side, my grandpa used to play baseball at that park and she would go and watch him play in middle school. Meanwhile, like, as my dad was a kid, he would go play there, but they didn't even know each other at that time. Oh, how fun. It's so crazy to me, but that's what makes this park so special. And so um, the overall theme, I wanted to bring light into this community, which Kawa is majority, majority has residents that are um, farm workers, Mexican farm workers. And so to be honest, they don't put much money in this neighborhood at all. So a lot of the buildings are like very dull and just not really upkept. So yeah, I wanted to bring color back into this neighborhood. And then this specific photo that um, is on the left-hand side is called the rocket. Um, they actually deemed it as like a historical structure, like within the, the community. And I'm so surprised it still stands. Like I have probably some childhood trauma from being in this rocket and <laughs> feeling like it was going to fall down. Um, but again, it goes back to, I played in this rocket, but also my dad as a kid played in this rocket. So this thing's been up standing for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> mm. This is the last slide I have of yours. Do you want to talk about the styling and yeah. the heart? Right. So. Um, 
going back to the concept, I wanted, like I said, pay homage to my childhood neighborhood. So the neighborhood, again, is like very Mexican farm worker, but also it ties in with like the Chicano culture. And within my upbringing, my dad was heavily involved in um, car clubs. He was known as a continental kid and he was in his teenagers when he actually had a car. And my grandparents, they didn't, I mean, they didn't like condone it, but like, as long as it was his money going into that car, like he can do whatever he wants type of thing. Yeah. And so I, I wanted a lowrider car in this photo shoot and the car that happened to be available couldn't have been any more perfect like especially with the color I felt like it also gives like a feminine touch and um going back to like the design I chose yellow which you can obviously see it's very bright and vibrant exactly what I was trying to do like bring light within this dull community but also bring life and so there is a red heart, which within like the Mexican culture, even like just Catholic religion, there's um, what is called a sacred heart. And so I created that out of like um, chicken wire. And I think they're Ostromeria petals. Okay. And so, yeah, it's just, it's petals from a flower. A lot of this dress is mainly all petals. And yeah. It's gorgeous. How everything came together. The styling with the sneakers too, and the hoop earrings, and back to the beginning photo of the the flame and hot Cheetos. You just nailed it, Nisha. Thank you. And here are the design credits, and um, your um, your flowers mostly came from our friends at Camfloor, which is great because you live nearby and you were able to drive over to Watsonville and. Uh, shop <laughs> uh, from the warehouse, right? <laughs> Which is really fun. So yeah. Well, those really of fun. the people who were at the summit in 2021 were able to tour uh, cam floors. So, well, thank you so much, Nisha. I just adore it. And it tells a really important story of American history, which is the Hispanic American culture and the Chicano culture. And uh, you represent it. And I don't know how you're going to top yourself next year. Oh, I already, I already know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's, let's go to uh, the design that is um, created by uh, Blair Roberts Lynn using flowers from Grateful Gardeners, Tom Precht and Sarah um, Dakin. They're all on the call today. I'm so delighted with this creation. And I think we'll start with Blair, uh, Blair Lynn from Sweet Blossoms because Blair, you, you kind of uh, told me that I, I, gave you a challenge to design this. And I, now I feel like, I hope I didn't talk you into something that like (laughs) was stressful because you did such a lovely job. No, sometimes I need cheerleaders because I, it's hard for me to believe in myself sometimes. So I've been watching all of your botanical couture for years and kept thinking, well, I mean, maybe I could do this. And I kept, you know, thinking of little ideas in my head and wasn't quite sure what to do. And then you said you wanted something with hydrangeas. That was what you said. Oh yeah. And I knew, you know, here I am in the woods where nothing grows unless it grows in complete shade. And so all I have is hydrangeas. (laughs) And my sweet friends, Sarah and Tom, 
had just moved to this new farm and were, you know, busting their butts, moving all these beautiful dahlias over to their farms. And all I could think was, I need to make something that just shows off their farm. The location is at Grateful Gardeners where you shot this, right? Yes. Yep. It's in their dahlia fields. And that, I mean, really, I wish that I could say I had an inspiration that sounds more like Nisha's, but my goal was to highlight Sarah and Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's look at, this was your, your, I thought it, not everybody submitted a mood board, but I really liked it because it showed uh, your sketch and some fashion, like, you know, fashion runway looks and some also flower palettes. So that was kind of nice to get, you know, get you into, um, you know, get you into kind of figuring out how how you're going to construct and engineer this thing. Um, and I mean, Blair, you sent me all kinds of behind the scenes photos. So talk <laughs> a little bit about how you created this look uh, based on this this sort of studio photos. Um, well, Tanya, who's the model, was she's even more petite than me. I'm five two, and I think she said she was like five one or something. So I asked her to measure where her hips sat and you can see from the mannequin that where the mannequin's hip was and where Tanya's hips were. So um, I measured with the black ribbon to figure out where her hips would sit. And that's a, it's a chicken wire Mm, um, mm -hmm. sculpture kind of thing. And I made like a little loop at the bottom that I envisioned would hold the, um, the hydrangeas for the ruffle at the bottom and one at the top. And then I covered it with tissue paper, like a waxed tissue paper, because I was envisioning that that would hold the glue that I did in the middle of the glue crisis, which was a brilliant plan (laughs) on my part. The global glue shortage? (laughs) Right. I'm probably why there was a crisis. (laughs) So the tissue paper held a lot of the glue. And then the big stuff, the dahlias, I pinned in with wire Mm -hmm. um, to go through and hook the chicken wire. So. Mm -hmm. Love it. I love the band with the uh, the marigolds. And you were saying that um, the marigolds uh, just were workhorses because they, they last quite a while out of water. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. Tom and Sarah, do you want to jump in and talk a little bit about the product that you grew? Yeah, sure. We, we, um, when Blair first approached us, we were so excited for her to have this opportunity because she's so talented. And I know that I know from working with Blair that she loves to work with color. Like mm. she's a bit of a color maven, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I we, we talked a lot, she and I, about how to, what the sourcing would look like for for this. You know, this is all donated projects or, or product, right? So we had to be sort of careful to be thinking about what we could cut, what was going to make sense to be able to do. But Blair's so artistically and creatively talented that literally it was like, it didn't take long for her to just, she sent me the sketch and then she said, what do you have in abundance? Um, and I sort of, you know, texted her a list of things and she, she was like, I got this. I, I think, I think I know what I need. Um, so it was just, it was really very, very easy. Um, and Tanya, of course, is someone that we knew that we suggested she might use for the modeling component. And she's a friend of the family and she, um, was all game, you know, to do it too. And she's so beautiful that I knew, I just knew like, this is going to be absolutely stunning because with, with Tanya's, you know, natural, you know, beauty and ability to, to capture all of that. But then, and then the fact that she wanted to do it on our property, 
um, was even a bigger bonus because we were, you know, we had just moved here. And <laughs> if I, if I recall correctly, I think you, you used a fair amount of Lysianthus, didn't you, Blair? Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. light pink is all the Lizzie. Yeah. Right. Which, you know, it's an interesting, shot. it's an, yeah, that's, that's a, that's really the shot that shows mm -hmm. it off, but it's an interesting um, thing because, you know, Lysianthus has a pretty small window of time that it actually blooms and is pretty prolific in the field. And to actually have that also dahlias at that same time is pretty, you know, it was a little early in the season. So, you know, I think ultimately it was a perfect time to get marigolds, celosia, lysianthus, dahlias, you know, hydrangea. All, it was a, I think it just, it was a perfect time to get a lot of very product that was also very colorful too. So it worked out. Kind of, I just, she just went with it. You know, I was like, I just put the flowers in the cooler and was like, here's all the product. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then sending me photos, you know, because we, could, we couldn't be here. You were texting Blair during the photo shoot and wanting to see all the behind the scenes. Oh, yeah, I was just like, I wanted to FaceTime. I was just like, you know, I'm dying. I can't stand it. But um, we were, Tom's father had a medical issue and we had to leave town. Um, yeah. So, but <clears throat> what I loved, what I love the most is that, you know, as floral, we work a lot with floral designers and we grow a lot to accommodate the color palette, which is very muted, right? Yeah. And, and that's beautiful in its own way. But I really, really love when any designer just branches out and really goes all in on color. And, and that, that, that with the fact that she was going to do that, I was like, oh yes, yeah, I, we are going to. It's, you know, and so it just, it just turned out, it was so stunning. I couldn't believe when I got the photos, I, I just couldn't believe it. It was beautiful. Oh, well, I, I agree. And I want to comment on what you're saying about the seasonality and how all these blooms came together because Blair, this was photographed at the end of August or early September, right? Which is yeah. really rare for American Flowers Week. You want to just right. talk about that and we'll uh, wrap up? Well, a, I didn't want to lose my courage about it, but B, <laughs> I knew that most of the photos that you got usually end up being done right before American Flowers Week. So you were getting lots of spring or you were getting lots of late fall. Mm -hmm. And I, even though I wear, like, I feel like weddings slow down in the summer, but late summer is one of my favorite flower times because of all the color and controversial statement sunflowers are my favorite flower so i know no one else feels that way you have but a few you have I, a few sunflowers in this skirt don't you yes there are a few on there i have some on my body also <laughs> <laughs> they're literally on my body forever oh your but tattoos I, you mean yeah. <laughs> yes i but the color that happens when you, like Tom was saying, when you have Lizzie's and you have the marigolds and the dahlias were already blooming and we had snapdragons, like the colors are so much more because in the late fall, you're getting all those burgundies and the deep mm. tones. Like mm -hmm. I just wanted the bright stuff. And Love I felt it. like a lot of times after American Flowers Week, everyone is, they're not ready to start yet. And I just wanted to like hurry up and shoot it while it was still in my brain. And we got the flowers we don't see a lot. Good tip for people listening. Like if you really want to have a different palette, then plan to do it. Like if you shot it now, um, you, you know, you'd be getting into the 2024 20, uh, Slow Flowers, uh, American Flowers Week collection. But so. then you have to sit on the, the photos for a year, which has been the hardest thing. <laughs> That's true. They are embargoed. And I really, I know. But now 
after we finish recording this, I'm going to send you all your social media badges and you can all post to your heart's content. So thank you, Blair. And thank you, Tom and Sarah. It was an incredibly generous donation. I, I can't even imagine how many flowers this skirt required. Um, but it was, I know you said it was very heavy, Blair. So uh, She couldn't walk. <laughs> Okay, Sarah Wagstaff of Suat Farm and Flowers near me in Burlington, Washington. How are you? Doing great today. Thank you for having me. This is so fun to see everyone else's designs and creations and life their eyes. It really is. We all need this this b- just burst of joy. And um, you had a really fun uh, self-assignment, which was to sh- show that that not just women and not just feminine uh, characters can be dressed in flowers. So talk a little bit about your uh, collection. You have three models. Right. Uh, similar to Blair, as I've been watching this um, couture look every single year and just um, thinking about it and really loving all of the creations. And I thought, how can I... Um, bring something to the table. What could I contribute? And I know that um, just looking at visually, a lot of the models are female and they're very elegantly dressed and they're often wearing something feminine, like um, corsets, headpieces, long skirts. And I thought um, there's so much more to us than only the outward appearance. And I wanted to kind of uh, go back to what's inside of each of us. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female or non-gendered or gender bending, that we all have a little person inside of us still. And kind of going back to that nod of childhood where um, once you reach a certain age, we're expected to just leave those childish things behind. Or so much of childhood is just that wonder and awe and time spent outside climbing trees and finding cool rocks and um, appreciating all the beauty that's in nature. And so I wanted to have a nod to that of just because you've aged and now a different number of years. <laughs> on, it doesn't mean that you let that go. And like how, how um, purposeful we can bring that back into our lives. And uh, that's, yeah. that's an, for my business is reconnecting people with nature and just reminding us of that beauty and that temporality. And so I wanted to have a young model and an older model. And kind of um, as I was designing it, I met with a, a florist friend of mine, Olivia, and we were chatting about how it kind of reminded us from um, the story of Captain Hook. And when um, Peter Pan comes back to the Lost Boys, he's kind of forgotten all about that innocence of childhood and beauty and delight of knowing himself and it's that rediscovery of himself. And so finding that femininity, that masculinity, that connection to yourself, whatever you look like now as an older person. And um, so I used my son as the um, smaller, younger model. And then um, a dear friend of ours as the older model. And then my husband was super helpful, but wasn't so sure about being photographed. And then after seeing the photo shoot unfold, he's like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. You could do that, I guess. And so, so this like, is this is Keith right here, right? <laughs> on the spot, we were just grabbing flowers and sticking them in his beard and putting them all over him. And um, this part wasn't a, a pre thought out. I mean, I had been thinking that he had been my muse originally, and um, wasn't so sure if he was going to make an appearance. But uh, it was <laughs> really delightful. So I ended up having three models unintentionally, and it was perfect. So. 
Well, they had the headpieces really are the most dynamic um, structures because uh, uh, you have a boa and you have you know cuffs and rings and glue. You glued flowers to Steve's. This guy's name is Steve, right? Yes, Steve's face. But um, talk just quickly about how you just design these headpieces and the and your son's floral mohawk. Yeah, so I wanted. Um the whole, every part of their bodies to have some sort of adornment and just literally be dripping in flowers and connecting to their feet. And so rooted in and sprouting out and just becoming, um, an inflorescence themselves. And so Mm -hmm. I, either at the head or the toes and, um, on Steve's, it's just attached to a headband. And then I made kind of this big spray and then um, I knew he had long hair and facial hair. And so I wanted to incorporate the headpiece into his beard and face and neck and then open shirted. And so just with um, eyelash adhesive, so it's safe for the skin. It's safe for delicate areas. Um, I just stuck flowers and petals all over him and kind <laughs> of glued them to him and then tucked them into his hair and his lapel. And then I made a necklace um, chest piece out of like bones and shells and twig and then um made a pocket square so that it kind of incorporated into that and then I draped him in an extra long I think I didn't end up measuring it but it was a boa that we doubled over so it would be extra voluptuous and drapey and flowy and then um Olivia helped me design into his pant cuffs so that it would look like they were kind of growing up and through him and through his feet and then we had him barefoot so that we could (laughs) connect that that really grounding in there and then um my son had specifically asked for some he sees me doing wedding florals and so he sees that I do boutonnieres and cuffs and corsages and things like that and so he said I want one of those and it's really all about the jewels and gems and so I made him a couple of cuffs so then I made some matching ones for Steve so that I could tie in and then um Sue McCleary inspired making some rings out of uh, just little pieces of plastic garbage, actually. It's like the tops that you pull out of the cream or the milk when you get it. So it has a little circle that you pull tab and then a flat piece. So it slides right over your finger. And I adhered the flowers and shells and um, petals and greenery to those. And and then with, I wanted to go with, um, my son's name is Huck. So I wanted to go with like the um, the Rufio look from, from Peter Pan. So he has like kind of a mohawk style and um, I, again, made that on a headband here, but attached a piece of cardboard this direction and then um, covered. <laughs> I love it. Your yeah. your models, your models were all good sports and really took it, took it to heart that, that they were, um, they're representing, you know, what Suat Farm and Flowers is all about. So thank you so much, Sarah. Just love it. And um Huck is going to inherit your farm someday and be the flower farmer, I'm sure. So and it's so beautiful to see that. I love, I love it. Oh, that's great. Okay, I'm going to invite Nan and Linda on next. We have another uh, pair of return designers. We have Nan Madison of Queen City Flower Farm. Hi, Nan. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And Linda Spradlin of In the Garden Flower Farm. Hi, Linda. So last year, some of you may remember that um, Linda and Nan partnered to create an homage to a queen. Maybe it was Queen Elizabeth. Maybe it was a nod to the fact that Cincinnati is Queen City 
known as Queen City. I'm not quite sure um, about that, but it was hugely successful. And Linda was the model and Linda took the lead on the design. So they switched places this year and Nan had a vision for what she wanted to do. So I'm going to go ahead and pull that up on the screen. Secret Urban Garden. Is that what you called it, Nan? Yes. Yes. Uh, Okay. So tell us a little bit about this coat. And I have some of your inspiration photos too. So living in a city, um, there are always these hot spots where things bloom earlier than in general. And also in a city, often you can walk past these gates where you look in and you just, you know, there's a garden behind through that gate, but it's private. You can't go there and you just get a touch of it. So our urban garden was really the concept of the changing of the seasons going from late winter into the very earliest of spring where in the city, in a hot spot, you might see that where you still have the very brown gray of late winter, but there's these little spots that have started to bloom. So that's <laughs> a concept behind it. And then the other, the other concept was a Japanese fireman's kimono, um, which I had seen at a museum. Um, they're very plain on the outside. They're made to protect the firemen. Um, but on the inside, they have these incredibly designed uh, warrior, for lack of a better word, to help protect the firemen. And I always love that concept because you really didn't see the inside of it. Um, so that's where the idea came from. And then we threw in 1920s um, fabulous collar that... Linda did from dried material that represented our late winter. Um, but then when you open the coat, you see the the hidden garden of spring coming. Mm, I love it. I really want this coat. I want to have a secret garden inside my inside my my cozy coat so I can see um, you know, see flowers when I open it. Can you just talk a little bit about how you engineered this, Nan? Because um these are literally um flowers in water, right? They are flowers in water, right? So what we learned was um, spring flowers in particular die instantly without water. So we use Ziploc bags that we literally glued to the fabric, glued the moss onto the Ziploc bag so that we were able to put just enough water to put the spring stems into that water um, to allow us long enough for the photo shoot for them to stay looking fresh. Exactly. I mean, there's you've got like bulb flowers, and then you have flowering branches, and a few probably a few eph- ephemeral perennials. Um, but it looks like it's growing in your coat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Linda did grow everything that uh, we used. The um, the taller. Uh, was primarily from Linda's farm, and it was material that she had dried. Um, the spring flowers came from both of our properties. Um, well, Linda, why don't you jump in here and talk about this amazing collar that is, I guess, was just um, separately made, but then attached to the coat? Right. So we made, Nan created the collar base, and then I took the collar and applied in um, all the dried materials, and then we set it and connected it. Um, with Velcro, actually, so it could come on and off. Wow. 
I love all this material. You really created a fur-like vibe uh, with all the dried um, ingredients. I know there's amaranth and gomfreno in there. What else did you use? Oh, I used everything. I used so much dried grasses that I foraged. There's crispidia, ping pong, scabiosa, um, nigella seed pods. There's dock. Um, I had a whole list. I didn't bring it with me today, but there mm-hmm. is. I had dried all of this last summer without an intention for it, just drying stuff because I like to use dried. And then when we came up with this concept and it is pieces, it wasn't like we said, oh, let's do a dried collar. As it evolved, we're like, oh, what if we did a dried collar? And I'm like, I've got everything for it. So love it. Yeah, I love it. That. That's so great. Um, and I just think the story behind the influence, especially the story of the Japanese um firefighter coat and then of course a nod another fashion influence of the 1920s you really thought about where your design was going and um uh and also nan you you photographed it at a special place in cincinnati right right that is um at the cincinnati art museum they have put in this incredible set of stairs that go up this hill it literally starts at the bottom of the street people use it for training all the time Um, but you literally can go from down at the bottom of the street up all the way. The museum actually sits on a hill. And so it goes all the way up this hill and it's just really contemporary lit steps that they've put in just Mm. within the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, your model was a good sport. Did you give her the coat or did you get to keep it? (laughs) We kept it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Now now your challenge is, can you create one, uh, you know, a different every season, create a new you know, hidden garden in a, for your for your wraparound coat. I love it. Anything else you guys <laughs> want to add before we move on to our last guest? Yeah, I want to tell you the day we shot it was freezing. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> was freezing, and our model was barefoot. So, oh my goodness, that always happens. Oh. Kind of crazy. It was really like spring. Well, <laughs> it is. It is wonderful. Thank you both so much, and um, we're going to. Um, wait and see what comes from your partnerships in the future. Maybe you'll take next year off, but um, uh, you're always welcome to to create something fun from your farm and from Linda's farm and Nan's garden in the Cincinnati area. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. So we have another return designer. I love that the people come back. They, they are like, okay, it was a lot of work, but I want to create something new. So hi, Jennifer Reed. How are you? I am good. Some people may remember your design. Was it two years ago when you did Tammy tulips in her skirt? Um, two years ago. Yeah. I loved that. That And you've been posting it during Pride Month. So I like re-seeing your, your friend in drag wearing a high heels and amazing high yeah. heels and a tulip yeah, he's, skirt. He's been bugging for me to dress him up again. <laughs> okay. Well, good. We'll see what you come up with. Yeah. Well, this year you really um, went in a completely different direction. You're in the you're in New Jersey, but this photo shoot was in Wilmington, Delaware. And I'm going to pop it up on the screen and let you tell people about this amazing place. Tell us your vision for this amazing garment and this um, model. And so this is one of the DuPont properties. Um, it's not one that people know a whole lot about because it doesn't really have a much uh, notoriety of, you know, in terms of how Longwood and Chanticleer and um, everything gets. 
Um, but it's from the granddaughter of the original DuPont. Um, she was kind of like the black sheep of the family. It's not as manicured and perfect as all the other gardens. Um, she and her husband uh, went to Rome during their honeymoon, and she fell in love with the architecture and the ruins and um, the property of all the, um, the places that they toured. And so she decided to bring this back to Wilmington, Delaware, which is a bit unusual. So she had all the structures built and meant to look like you were in the ruins. So all the columns are a bit of skewed. Um, all the brick that went up, she had people um, kind of knock into to make it look like they're aged. Um, <laughs> something a little different from back then, because this is the early uh, 1900s, too. So people really didn't do the shabby chic vibe back then. <laughs> yeah, let's look at your inspiration um, board that you sent to talk about like what you you had the place chosen this amazing kind of ruin, faux ruin, in fact, an intentional ruin. And then you wanted to place a a female statue in it, basically, right? Yeah, I just felt like it needed something statuesque in there. So that's when I kind of came up with, instead of it kind of looking like a model in a flower, um, you know, dress in a space, make it look like she was kind of part of the environment. Mm-hmm. And you had the timing so that you could use mostly peonies. Um, yes, there was um, 330 peonies, a mix of gardenia and bowl of cream. Um, we have a local farmer in our area, Allet Farms. Um, he's got a huge, um, huge property. Um, this is only his like fourth or fifth year um, actually growing and selling. Um, he was kind enough to let me um, use all of his peonies. And, um, I also have about like 40 stems of sweet pea in there as well that held up beautifully, which I was shocked about. Um, and then from Camflor, um, they were nice enough to let me use like Larkspur and Delphinium for her, her under area of the, the skirt as well. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the, uh, how you engineered this because you, before you could even dress her model, she had to have her skin and hair painted basically, yes. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, mo- the makeup artist's name is Jessica Saint and she, uh, basically, I think it took her about three hours. She painted her whole body and her hair obviously, and then contoured everything to make it look like a statue. The back was my favorite in terms of like the patina she put on there to kind of make it look like she actually, and, and with the, the model Brooke, the way that she was able to contour in some areas that she looked like stone in my opinion. Um, so she had that whole under, you know, area that she had to take care of for hours. And then I came <laughs> in and like flower bombed her with <laughs> so many, so many flowers, but she well, was a great, a, a trooper. And you designed this with sort of the skirt has multiple pieces, which I, you know, back to earlier when Blair mentioned how heavy her skirt was moving it, you've kind of created panels, which helped uh, just logistically for moving the model around, right? Yeah, I just learned to, you know, every time I do it, I'm like, there's got to be a way to make it easy for the model to actually move. Um, So what we did this time is it was designed with four different panels and each panel basically had like a, a handle so that we could move along with her. So we had four people walk with her so we could move <laughs> her from place to place. The The garden was almost like on an incline. So there was like four layers to this garden. And on every layer, of course, there was somewhere that we wanted to shoot. So we were like 
moving from layer to layer in a um, in a pretty crazy um, overgrown garden too. But wow. so wow. in each panel, we were able to lift it up so she could walk freely, and they were all attached to um, a belt um, mm. apparatus that I had kind of like attached to her and then attached to her her one arm so that it kind of alleviated a little bit of the pressure of holding everything. Mm. Do you want to talk about the shawl collar and the headpiece um, in terms um, of how Yeah, you the shawl was um, done on a, just a piece of chicken wire that I kind of molded around and then backed it with um, some fabric so it wouldn't scratch her. And that was just kind of like literally just like went right on her and went right off of her, which was perfect. And then the headpiece uh, was on like a metal, a metal headband that we kind of just put right on her too. Is it, it was pretty? Yeah, she she was pretty chill this uh, this model. So she kind of was down for whatever I was gonna keep adding and adding and adding to her. To her. Uh, well, even the details, like I don't know if people can see, um, but on the. Uh, image on the right there are um, sandals that you've covered and her foot is also painted but the sandals you covered in some kind of wheat or something like that yeah so her her sandal was made of dusty miller and um, a wheat which was great (laughs) like that morning um, one of my flower farmers came over and she's like I don't know if you can use this I just cut some wheat down I was like oh my this is what I've been looking for because I was looking for that braided pattern of it to kind of do that, um, you know, gladiator kind of a, a sandal kind of a feel. Yes, yes, so I it love it. Perfect. Everything kind of like worked out with it. It was a crazy day, but it was it was a nice collaboration of the the garden, uh, the flower farmers that were in my area, and then along with Cam Flora too. Mm. Jennifer, do you want to uh, close by talking about the styling on this? Um, this this table was in the garden, oh, right? I don't know if you can see it from like the picture, but my my friend my friend was like, "I really want to be part of the shoot. Can I do something?" And she's a she's a wedding planner, so um, they have this they have this like area in the garden where it's these columns, and they used to have this. Uh, a tiled floor and they have like almost like an altar kind of an area. It's very bizarre. This lady had some crazy parties. That's all I have to say. And there was 100 years ago. I I can't even imagine. I'm just picturing Great Gatsby gone wild. But the there's pieces of um, stone and everything up there. And what she did, um, her name was uh, Shannon Wellington. She came in and she kind of just made it like a 20s party went wild and there's like tipped over champagne glasses and food and cookies and just like lots of lots of fun stuff on the table. It's pretty and it really shows the scale of this space of this massive garden um, that time forgot and you were received special permission to do the photo shoot there. It's not open to the public, right? Yeah, there. Um, the CBS News, I think, is going to be doing like a special on it that can be watched pretty pretty soon. It's the Hagley Museum. If anybody's interested in learning about the background of the garden itself, they're trying to get it on the list of the um, the uh, like a national park list so that it gets mm-hmm. a little bit more funding to bring it back to life to what it originally looked like years ago. Actually, Jennifer, I went on their website uh, that you had shared with me and got a little bit of information to put in the story as a sidebar, too, so yeah. people can get on their mailing list and find out when there are, okay. you know, PR events. Thank you so much. I could look at these images forever, everybody. They're just so amazing. And you all just did such a lovely job. Our wonderful creatives, uh, thank you again for your generosity and for helping us elevate 
American grown flowers to uh, to fashion and in in doing so, share the story of the slow flowers movement. Um, it's just wonderful, and I can't wait to get the the issue out next week. We're working on it right now, uh, but uh, have a wonderful American Flowers Week. Some of you I will see at the summit. Some of you will have to. Um, I guess Nan will have to text you photos from the party, and Jennifer, you won't be there, so I'm sorry about that. But I. You'll be there in spirit, and all these images will be on the slideshow during all of our breaks and um, and the before and after of the of the uh, proceedings, so everybody can see them on the big screen. Thanks, everybody. We had one more look that um, I wanted to share, which kind of came in um, after the recording, and this is by Evelyn Frolking of Studio. Artiflora. Uh, she's based in Granville, Ohio. And uh, Evelyn was a participant, uh, participating designer, a featured designer in an event called Hat Day, which is a gala to benefit the Franklin Park Conservatory in Columbus, Ohio. Um, she styled two fanciful headpieces worn by models in a runway show called Fleur et Couture, which took place in May. And uh, this is one of the pieces. I think I have a detail shot to share with you. Oh, this is the second one. And um, I'll just tell you a little bit about these looks. The headpiece that's on the left is made with a large red anthurium as the focal flower and built on a sizal wire structure. The other elements included pink hypericum, burgundy amaranth, and sweet huck, which, of course, soared high above the model's head. Curled red cane accents uh, the design and trails from the head to connect with a striking heart-shaped anthurium at her waist. And the reason for that is that this was a fundraiser for um, the conservatory's pre-K and K-12 education and outreach program. So to acknowledge the ultimate beneficiaries, which are children, each of the designers was asked to create two hats associated with a key word that's part of their programming. Uh, Evelyn says, I was given the word connect. So you may notice that each of my headpieces has a point of connection to another part of the body, the waist or the wrist. Uh, She was also assigned a palette, a limited palette of pink and red. So within those parameters, that's sort of what's inspired these designs. The second piece, which you see here more detailed, uh, features tulips from the Studio Artiflora Garden in um, Ohio attached to a wire and honeysuckle vine structure. And the flowers drape in an asymmetrical fashion down below the model's shoulders. Evelyn uh, harvested from her crop of 800 specialty tulips, which she typically harvests to supply her seasonal subscription service. Um, She had a few extras that could go on this headpiece. Other accent flowers include asters, eucalyptus, and string of pearls. And you'll see that the string of pearls are the connecting element to a bronze wrist cuff, um, which is part of the the key word that she was given. And here's Evelyn on the left with her two models uh, celebrating this event, which attracted more than 600 supporters and raised $475,000 for education. So we wanted to include that in our American Flowers Week. Here are some of the credits. That's kind of wrapping up our wonderful American Flowers Week celebration. I want to just thank all of you for joining me today. And please check out the show notes 
at slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 616. We'll have links to all of these um, stories and resources. And um, then also visit americanflowersweek.com where you can download the social media badges of all these looks and get involved with American Flowers Week. We're going to be celebrating every day of the week leading up to July 4th. So June 28th through July 4th. Every day we'll post another story on AmericanFlowersWeek.com and we're going to be following everyone on social media. So please use that hashtag AmericanFlowersWeek.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. You can watch the replay video of today's episode 616 at slowflowerspodcast.com. And please visit AmericanFlowersWeek.com to find all the free resources for your floral festivities beginning today. You'll find social media assets featuring the Flower Farmers Coast to Coast artwork by our artist April Limley as well as badges of each individual botanical couture look and fun resources that you can download and print to share, like our 50 states of slow flowers coloring sheets that feature each official state flower and a map of the U.S. I'll be posting individual stories of our designers, flower farmers, and creative teams during each day of American Flowers Week, and you can read those at the website or at Slow Flower Society on social media. Our next sponsor thanks goes to The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. Online education is more important than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. A program note, I recorded this episode just prior to the kickoff of the Slow Flower Summit, our sixth conference, and an event I love to describe as a TED Talk for flower lovers. If you followed along on social media at Slow Flower Society or at Slow Flower Summit on Instagram, you will have seen all sorts of fun images posted by Nisha Blancas, our social media manager, over the past three days. From dinner on the farm to floral design demonstrations and the immersive floral takeover of our venue, the Bellevue Botanical Garden. It was an enriching and essential moment for the Slow Flowers movement for 150 of our members, supporters, partners and friends to come together to celebrate domestic flowers, floral agriculture, sustainable design, and the important connective tissue, a sense that we are a community and we are all working together to elevate local and seasonal flowers as a viable and vital facet of the floral marketplace. I'm sure I'm going to be on an endorphin high that will continue for many months to come, hopefully until I see everyone again in 2024. I'll have many more details, interviews, videos, and photography to share. Keep an eye out on social media or sign up for our newsletter to receive a sneak peek of the first content, which will be sent out on July 1st. And you can uh, sign up for our newsletter at slowflowersociety.com or slowflowers.com. A final thank you goes to Details Flower Software, a platform specifically designed to help florists and designers do more and earn more. With an elegant and easy-to-use system, Details improves profitability, productivity, and organization for floral businesses of all shapes and sizes. You can grow your bottom line through professional proposals and confident pricing with their all-in-one platform. All friends of the Slow Flowers podcast will receive a seven-day free trial of Details Flowers software. Learn more at detailsflowers.com. I love all this floral goodness, and I am so happy to share it with you, and thank you for joining me today. 
The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor downloaded more than one million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowersociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.